Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and we are joined by our regular co-hosts, Sylvie Wassenaar and Rosalie the Riddle. Rosalie the Little Record Girl. Hello, you two. Hello. Rosalie the Riddler. <laughs> now I can't cut out my flub. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, we've got to keep it real. Down to earth. Yeah, it's okay. I've got a lisp, so I've probably said my own like alias wrong several times. <laughs> so let's move on with our latest Switch news. First up this week, we did not get our customary summertime Nintendo Direct, and it's still unclear if we will at this point, but we did get... A Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Direct, which was about 20 minutes all about this one game that's coming out at the end of July. Did all of us watch this? No. Uh, no. It yeah. was on and I was in the room. I don't know <laughs> if watched. Watched is a strong word. Okay, I guess I was the only one of the three of us that actually paid attention to it, but that's okay. <laughs> I tried. In my defense. It's because I want to try and get into the series at some point. So sometimes if I watch too many things, it kind of spoils things. So I was I was like, if I have not played it, then... <laughs> some of the characters in, in this are probably outright spoilers of the first two games. Ah, so I really? Was, I, I didn't feel that way. Uh, no. <laughs> sort of. Like, you can connect some dots. They're not being too subtle about it. I guess. I'm sorry if that spoiled anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I played the games and I don't even know what you're talking about, so I think you're fine. <laughs> I guess we don't have much to say about this past that. I I I liked what I saw, actually. I just finished playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in the past couple weeks. I started Torn of the Golden Country, which I was worried about if I was going to burn myself out on the series just before 3 comes out. Uh, that has not actually been the case. I've been enjoying Torna more than I enjoyed the first two games uh, for a variety of reasons, which I'll get into when I actually finish it, probably in the next couple episodes. Uh, but I saw some things in this game that reminded me of Torna that I was glad to see, especially the camping sequences. That Those are great in Torna. Uh, there are little bases you can stop and camp at, and you do all your crafting there, versus in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, where you just buy just mountains of items from shop vendors and like that's that's an entire aspect of the game is going shopping <laughs> uh, it doesn't it isn't that exciting for me uh, I, i'm much more interested in stopping at a campsite and crafting things with things that i found in the world versus in xenoblade chronicles 2 uh, I'm, I'm getting into torna now but i'll i'll finish this thought uh in xenoblade chronicles 2 you do find a lot of junk on the ground through these little search nodes most of them you just use for filling in ox cores that power up your your uh your blades and i didn't use 95 percent of what i picked up so <laughs> a lot more relevant in torna and i'm glad to see that come back in xenoblade chronicles 3 and also the the character designs they look a lot more cohesive they they look like they all belong in the same game now versus xenoblade chronicles 2 where some of the character designs were very distracting because they did not fit in with the setting at all. And I'm not just talking about Pyra. <laughs> but that that's my immediate thoughts. Uh, otherwise, I just thought this Direct was 
kind of unnecessary. It's a lot of information about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is like, you know, the game is two months out. Run a trailer for it, sure, but uh, do you really need to just do 20 minutes just on an info dump on everything that the game is instead of introducing other games that you could be talking about? That That's my feelings, and hopefully we'll be getting a broader direct in the next couple weeks that actually talks more about other things we can expect to play in the back half of the year other than Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah, it's really weird as well because you normally think someone like a company would do something like this to kind of boost pre-order sales, but to my knowledge there was like a huge thing where people tried to get the collector's edition and the website kept breaking because it had like yeah. the most people ever that have been trying to pre-order something. So I'm thinking this might be one of the best-selling Switch games ever or like up there so it's weird that they're pushing the marketing so much when it feels like they don't necessarily have to it's hard to say with the collector's edition because the kind of people who buy collector's editions are the enthusiasts so you you can't really (laughs) you you can't base how well a game is going to do off of how it's most diehard fans react to it and also uh, i really hope they're not selling breath of the wild 2 collector's edition the same way because i do not want to deal with that at all just no, yeah. Just send it to big box retailers like you did with the first one, please. Because <laughs> I just I went on the website, I pre-ordered it, they sent it to me on release day, done. That was all I had to do. <laughs> Don't have to order it from a crashing website. Don't have to get the game on release day, but wait three or four months to get the rest of the things I'm supposed to get. Just a ridiculous mm. situation with that collector's edition. I don't know if it's the same overseas, but in Australia they're doing the collector's edition in two parts where they're mm-hmm. shipping the game out on launch and then the art book and still book in September. Oh, I, I, think, I think that's happened with some games in the past before, but that is really bizarre because if, like, if you don't have all... If you can't ship out all the parts to a customer who has paid for it, then maybe don't ship it on that day and wait. <laughs> well, it's because they moved the um, oh, yeah. launch date out. Of course. So, as long as everybody so, gets their stuff eventually, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's odd. I've never encountered that before. I'm but, a bit jealous because um, the collector's edition mm. is quite cool. And then they've announced Splatoon gets some stickers. <laughs> and like I've talked about <laughs> before in this podcast, I was Woo. like, ooh, I wonder what cool collector's edition Splatoon 3 is going to get because that's probably going to be my game of the year. Stickers. <laughs> well, they haven't so, done a special edition for Splatoon. Like the closest we got was a bundle of the first game with an amiibo, maybe? I know. Yep. I just, I, w- I was just hoping... Cause I I, even if it was just it that, would nice. I would have like I'd like that. But yeah. they should send There's it out with some temporary tattoos too. <laughs> <laughs> should come with a paintbrush and a, a little pot of ink. Oh, that's cool! You can actually get a Splatoon water pistol in Japan now, and it actually comes with the thing you put on your back and you fill that up with water, which is really <laughs> oh cool. Uh, is it yeah, actually anyway. to scale, or is it just kind of a gimmick? It, it's to scale for kids. Oh. So, um, which I guess kind of works because the, the the characters in Splatoon are kind of meant to be kids. Yeah. Um, you can also get the, you know, the bombs that um, you can throw out that kind of run against the ink. You can actually get them, but it's a Roomba. Yeah, I got one of them. So, yeah, yeah. So I actually, I really like merch, especially game merch that exists in the universe of the game. But they also can produce and it has like a function. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't yeah. know if I'm going to get the, the, the backpack thing because it probably won't fit me. <laughs> but I'm tempted. <laughs> the um, I got the uh, 
Oh, I can't remember what they're called now, but they're like the curling bomb. That's what it's called. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, I want it in one of those online um, claw machine websites. No. I know, I know um, them all too well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say the name and encourage other people to spend a whole bunch of money in them too, because that is a deep rabbit hole. Yeah, they've been nerfed a bit now anyway, because the one I used to use, we won all the... T- Half of my figures are from there, but they charge for shipping and things. <laughs> now. Yeah. It used to be free, but it's not anymore. But yeah, Splatoon 3 only comes with stickers. Disappointed. <laughs> but uh, more on topic on Xenoblade Chronicles 3, yes. I'm tentatively excited for this. Um, I say tentatively because these are games that require a lot of time and effort to, to yeah. play. Uh, yes, but I've played worse. Like I, I think they're kind of exaggerated, especially if you look at. I don't mean in a bad way. Just in a, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get into JRPGs in general. Xenoblade's kind of an outlier in how well I've kind of hmm. wrapped my head around it. I guess. Well, like a one hundred percent completion on them. Yeah, is several hundred hours oh, for I each can't. game in it. Yeah. But Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, I finished that in like 50 hours. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 took me about 90. I've played Ooh. much longer RPGs than that in this generation. Like, they're not... They're huge. They're not the biggest things out there the way some people treat them as. Oh, no. If you play them, does it unlock anything in the other one, like an item or something? Does it register your save files for the previous games? It should. <laughs> I think there is something. I feel like Definitive Edition had something if you had a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 pre-order or a, or a save file on your hard drive, but I, I don't use those things, so I I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually just use the Shulk Amiibo that we haven't released in yeah. so many years. Oh, yeah. I think... Oh, do I have him? No, I don't have him. Well, there'll be um, Pyra and Mithra eventually too, but I don't know if uh, they'll add... No, they probably will add a patch to include it because they, they're pretty good with adding content like the Smash outfit for Mithra into. In other news, No Man's Sky now has a release date on Switch. It will be coming in October. Uh, I've already decided that just by nature of it being an online game, if I'm going to be required to play it online i'm probably going to be home so i may as well just play it on my xbox any excitement from this for either of you two i think this is actually single player only on switch really oh they're doing a mario maker 3ds thing with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I think just because the nature of playing it on a handheld Mm -hmm. um playing on the bus for instance that's always my first switch go-to yeah uh, can you play it on a bus? And I don't think No Man's Sky would work. I mean, theoretically, there's 18 quintillion planets in this game. So I feel like, if anything, it's just going to be a save file ballooning rather than having it all stored on the cloud. It kind of makes it feel a bit empty, but that's what No Man's Sky was at launch. <laughs> it didn't have multiplayer. Yeah, I just, I, did, I haven't ever um i haven't ever played it but i have a feeling if i wanted to i'd probably play it on the ps5 instead because it's meant to be quite pretty and i don't it necessarily is gorgeous. yeah i don't think the switch would be the best 
to handle that if I was wanting to experience it for the first time. I'm being honest, it barely runs on <laughs> PlayStation and Xbox at times. Oh no. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's a good game. It won't crash anymore. <laughs> but it is a very hefty game and it is an indie developer, so keep that in mind mm. if you do encounter problems with like frame rate or what have you. Um it's good. It's more than passable, but like, I don't know how they got this on Switch when, you know, there's still issues on modern hardware, even PC. Oh, I guess that's a mystery that will be solved in October. Because <laughs> <laughs> if, if none of us play it, I'm sure we'll hear about it, about how mm-hmm. well or not well it runs. So let's move on with what we played this week. I'll start out with a quick one. I played Elekhead. It's a puzzle platformer that is super simple, both in presentation and design. Uh, it uses only three colors and retro 8-bit, probably less than 8-bit graphics to represent the world. I play as this little robot with a battery for a head, and I have to run through an environment to restore power to a city or to a planet. Uh, the, the story is told without words and often the images it shows are pretty abstract. I'm not 100% sure what the ending actually showed. I was very confused when I finished it. Uh, but the the main conceit of the game is since you have a battery for a head whenever you're touching a platform in the environment it will conduct electricity to it and if that platform is connected by a wall or a ceiling or by a girder or by a chain to something else in the environment it might activate a platform or it might activate a laser or a force field that will kill you and you can pick up your head and throw it to distant places and try to get back to it before your body runs out of power and then you die (laughs) and it's just a single screen puzzle game Uh, every room you go through is a single platforming puzzle on a single screen you solve all of them and you finish the game I finished it in about two hours super short and sweet. I only paid 10 bucks for it. I was pretty happy with that. Uh, there are some collectibles you can get. There are 20 chips hidden around the world that you have to do a little bit of an extra puzzle solving to find. That opens up an alternate ending, which made just as little sense as the main ending did. And there are also unlockable plot swaps you can find that make the game look like look like a Game Boy game, you know, with the, uh, the different shades of green or full-on grayscale or a 2-bit game just using pink and purple and blue or whatever those colors were super ugly colors very simple game very straightforward uh smart puzzles not too difficult over really quick i enjoyed it i recommend it the fact that it's a like you said two hours two hours it took me to finish that's a huge plus for me actually Mm -hmm. yeah i think i don't really have anything negative to say about it like uh it's not the best game I've ever played, not the best platformer, puzzle platformer I've ever played, but I enjoyed it, and it was short, and uh, I think that's either going to be a positive or a negative to some people, because there's just not much more to say about it past that. That was the game that was made by the guy that just, like, graduated from university, wasn't it? Yeah, it was his game design class project, and he just finished it and published it, which is great. If this was his college project uh, i'd be very interested to see what he could do uh with a professional career because this was a pretty decent game okay and sylvie played fire emblem warriors three hopes so why don't you go ahead and tell us about that 
Oh boy. Uh, so this is a, <laughs> a, a hefty one. I'm going to be talking about it as if people are a little bit familiar with what Three Houses was and what uh, a Warriors spin-off kind of entails. I'm lost already. A, I know. Oh, Three Houses is my favorite game on the Switch, <laughs> so I am I'm I'm fully intentive right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So for those that don't know, just a quick rundown. Um, Warriors games, you run around a field really fast. Every time you swing your weapon, like 20 people die. It's just a very fast-paced um, army versus army sort of feeling thing. You might have heard it called a, a muzo game. Fire Emblem is normally a tactical RPG. And the more recent installments have been a lot more visual novel-y and a little bit dating sim in some respects. The first Fire Emblem Warriors was much more of a Warriors game than a Fire Emblem game, in my opinion. It was really just a Warriors game with Fire Emblem characters. Yeah. Uh, and it was the All-Stars as well, so like Marth and Crom um, and I think pretty much everyone from Awakening, to be honest. Whereas this one... If you've played Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, where that felt much more, had more of that Breath of the Wild flavor to it, that's what this feels like. To the point where there actually isn't a lot of Muzo gameplay in this. Oh, wow. About seven hours in. <laughs> normally, like, I think the first Hyrule Warriors game, I probably would have finished the campaign by now. And I'm in yeah. chapter six out of 18 right now. So it's a, it's a lot more like uh, Persona Five Soccer Strikers. Yeah, yeah. But even that felt. Th this is kind of in between where Strikers felt really personary. Uh, this feels very Fire Emblem Three Houses specifically. Hmm. It feels authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so in between missions, you'll. You know, hang out with your fellow soldiers, I guess you call them, or officers. Uh, you can cook with them, you can do chores together, you can do your support conversations where you... Um, there's like a little conversation where the two characters get closer and then they're more effective in battle as well, together. And then the actual gameplay itself incorporates a lot more of the Fire Emblem, like the grid-based thing as well uh, so Fire Emblem is normally like a like the strategy RPG thing where you're moving characters around on a grid kind of like I guess chess uh, that's utilized a lot better this time around where you can see you got the whole weapon triangle thing I can't remember which way the tri weapon triangle works off the top of my head but like swords axes and lances have a sort of rock paper scissors relationship with each other so you can utilize that with the troops that you pick and you can just say, you know, uh, Edelgard, go attack that fortress where you have an advantage. It's really cool. Because Muzo games are very fast paced. And this kind of slows it down a little bit and it makes it feel a lot more Fire Emblem in general, not just Three Houses. It's bizarre. It's not like any other Warriors spin-off that I've ever played. It feels really authentic to the original uh, source material. 
uh, story-wise, so Three Houses had three paths, but with like a, a sort of hidden one and then a DLC one as well. As far as I know, this one has the three paths as well. I don't know if there's a, a bonus fourth path in this yet, because uh, I am barely into this game so far, if I'm reading it right. Uh, I think Three Houses was three or four chapters before it split into three, where you had to choose a house to um, befriend or join. This one happens in the first chapter, and then the path splits immediately. I think you'll be playing a lot more of the game if you want to do all three routes. Because uh, Three Houses let you play the two, the, the prologue, uh, pick your three paths, and then when you finish one path, you can go back to after the tutorial and um, not the prologue and choose another path. If this one's the same, it's going to be like 17 chapters worth instead of like 12. So instead of playing as Byleth, which uh, is the protagonist from Three Houses, you're playing a new character called Shez, S-S-H-E-Z. They have purple hair instead of green hair, and they talk a lot more. <laughs> so a lot of the support conversations, there's actual dialogue from Shez, whereas Byleth just got maybe a, you had a choice between two or three dialogue choices every now and then. Uh, Shez is a fully-fledged character, but um, I've only encountered Byleth in the main story twice so far, and seeing... Um, they're known as the Ashen Demon in-universe, and seeing it from the other side rather than actually playing as Byleth, it's kind of terrifying. They're a very powerful enemy. I've only got game overs from Byleth so far. The other interesting thing is, because Three Houses has so many characters... They're all playable in this, which oh. is a huge roster for a Warriors game. Like, gigantic. Um, this Collector's Edition actually came with a postcard set, and I thought it would just be, like, the three house uh, leaders and Shez. So, like, four postcards, and it came with this giant deck of every playable character. <laughs> uh, there's something like 30 or 40 characters. The technicality that they do is that you're not so much playing the characters as you are the classes. So each class, like mercenary, archer, fighter, so on, if you pick that class for that character, that's their moveset. So some of the characters have unique abilities from what I've seen, but for the most part, it's kind of templating off those classes, which does feel like it would spoil the um the fact that there's a gigantic roster but it doesn't they still like they got a lot of unique um animation work like Bernadetta which is she's a character who very much doesn't like to fight let alone leave her room icon right I love her <laughs> <laughs> she fires like a dozen arrows in the air and the way she does it is in this really panicked animation where she's just kind of like letting loose while shaking and panicking and then ducking and covering her head when they all land it's cute so it's got the the 
animation flair of individual characters, but the way that they play is very much, you know, are they an archer? This is their moveset. Uh, it's a smart way of doing it, to be honest. Like I said, I'm only like seven hours in, and I'm about a third of the way through one path. So there's going to be a ton of content. And the way that each chapter works is that there's multiple battles, and it actually gives you like the war map sort of thing, where you're kind of moving from territory to territory. I don't know, I've always been a sucker for that. When you have like the visual map of where you're actually fighting mm -hmm. or playing, and you just kind of move through. Um, I don't want to give spoilers away about talking about the specifics, but it moves very quickly, and there's like little side missions as well if you meet certain conditions in the actual battle part, you get extra um, materials. And Warriors games tend to have this thing where you have... you collect materials to kind of go through a skill tree. And instead of that being character-based, it's facility-based. So your base camp has, you know, your blacksmith, your, your shop... Uh, the kitchen and everything. Those are the things that you level up through the skill tree to get better effects and more options and, and the like. Uh, I'm really liking it so far. Um, I'm kind of like a recent convert Fire Emblem fan since Awakening. <laughs> I can't say whether it's a, an authentic Fire Emblem game. It feels like a really good blend between the two uh, franchises. Uh, I'm excited to play more, but it is very much a... It's not the sort of game where you can like play on the couch while watching a movie, which is usually my favourite type of game. <laughs> I, need to kind of sp I need to split my attention. I don't know yeah. why I work like that. I'm the same way. I work better if I'm distracted by something else. If I just try to focus on one thing, I just... I start looking for something else to distract myself with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's hard to do with this because it's very visual novelly. Like, really, really visual novelly. It's like science fiction jargon, but it's like fictional political um, issues where the count of this place is up against the Duke of that place. And I don't know. Who are these people? <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit of three houses. I was like, yeah, I don't care. I just want to have tea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, instead of tea now, you go on expeditions. So you go on like a little horseback ride with whoever oh. you want and then have a picnic with them. Yeah, a, a lot of the features from three houses that aren't related to the actual battles, it's all there. So if you like the side stuff in three houses, you'll love this. And the gameplay is just a lot more dynamic than... Um, strategic RPG. Alright, so last up, I played Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, which had its free-to-play launch this weekend. Uh, did either of the two of you get a chance to play the free-to-play version of this? Uh, I was going to, and then when I synced up my account, it didn't carry over all my stuff. Oh, it's, no! So yeah, I'm gonna... Too. Yeah, um, apparently you have to go to the first console that you played the game on originally... Uh, uh, which is my PS4, and then you have to do all this stuff, and if it doesn't work, you have to contact support. So I was just like, I am not starting again. <laughs> so I'm going to do that. So I haven't actually had the chance to play it Yikes. on the Switch yet. Okay, well, 
I've heard it's a fairly common thing with um, Epic Games. It's ha- apparently it happened with Rocket League as well. So I'll ask you some questions about that in a, in a minute. But uh, mm-hmm. Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, if you're not familiar with it, is kind of like a, a Battle Royale 3D platformer, kind of a physics platformer. You play as one of 60 little things called beans. They're these tall pill-shaped things with tiny little arms and tiny little legs and you're trying to run from one end of an obstacle course to another uh, without falling off into the bottomless void beneath the course or without running into any of your mini competitors and as a typical battle royale game you know the first certain number of people to reach the finish line of the course will move on to the next round and the rest of them will be kicked out and they can try their luck in the next match if they requeue there are three kinds of courses in the game there's just your basic race which is self-explanatory there's survival where you're dropped into a higher stakes situation in a small area with like maybe a giant fan that spins around and might hit you if you don't jump over its blades or just a, a floor that's collapsing beneath you and you have to try to stay alive longer than everybody else and then there's the hunt missions which can be any number of things one hunt mission was i was playing volleyball <laughs> and then another one i have to like run through rings as they appear and another one you have to pop bubbles i found like not a single one of these were things i really enjoyed but luckily i didn't have to do too many of them so it wasn't that big a deal but those are there don't like them uh, as a battle royale game the the main activity is Unlocking new costumes so that way you can show off all the things you've unlocked in your next match when you're running around. There's a lot of customization options as far as the color of your bean. You can change their face and you can change the pattern. And there's all kinds of costumes that you can put on their top and on their bottom half as well. You can mix and match if you like or you can match things up so that way they're aesthetically consistent. Uh, you unlock these things using kudos and crowns. You get kudos from daily quests, and you get crowns from being the winner of a match. Now, this is quite a bit different from how it worked when it was a retail game up before now. Uh, I believe you got kudos for just winning any match or even participating in any match. And crowns were a currency that you accumulated and spent. But in the free-to-play version, you just build crowns. And as you reach milestone numbers in the crown unlock, then you unlock new rewards for that. And like the top-end reward requires you to win 4,500 crowns, which I, I would be surprised if anybody has done that. <laughs> uh Rosalie, you played this game a little bit on PS4. How, how do you react to that change and how currency works? Yeah, I had a... Um, I, so I played it when it was first came out, which was a PS Plus game. Um, I had a look at the store and I was a bit kind of taken aback by all the kind of different currencies which are very typical of a free-to-play game. Uh, you used to just... Um, you Every time... If you won the full Battle you grabbed the crown then you got the crown mm-hmm. and you were you bought outfits and they would cost like two crowns for the upper half of the outfit and two for the bottom half and some outfits would be rare and it was more about getting winning as many one you know matches as you can to accumulate the coolest 
uh, outfits. Um, yeah, I've not really had a proper. I mean, I've never won. <laughs> I've gotten to the end several times uh, but something always happens Um, so I never had the cool stuff on it anyway it's it's a lot different I really hope it I mean if you make something free to play you have to I guess you kind of have to have microtransactions to you know so people get the devs get paid but I'm kind of hoping it doesn't get more get a bit more predatory in any way but the fall guys, like the social media managers and the people behind it, have always the way they run things has always been in a really positive and open way. So I'm kind mm. of hoping that continues as it's now free to play. Um, and I'm also hoping they like maybe get some DLC that's Nintendo related in any shape or form. But I'm not sure if they will. Um, but yeah, I've not had a proper go since um, <laughs> my I need, need to get my account all backed up and sorted. Um, but yeah, Fall Guys is really, really fun. It's basically those wipeout TV shows, but you're like a mascot costume bean person. <laughs> yeah, I always compared it to, I think, well, a lot of people did to uh, Takeshi's Castle. Yes, yes, that's it. Or Ultimate Ninja, whatever it is called now. <laughs> yeah, I think that Crowns thing, because I, I played when it first came out as well, and then I, like a season or two later... Because people mm-hmm. were struggling to get crowns, they added that build the crown thing with fragments or whatever. Yeah, because like before, you could just save up crowns to buy what you wanted. Now it's a milestone yeah. system. If you want a certain reward, you've got to get to the milestone to get it. Otherwise, you're mm-hmm. not getting it. So, yeah. I, I, I think that's a little more interesting because it does more visually you know, gauge your progress. Like If you see a guy running around in in the uh, Greek statue costume, basically. That's the top-end reward. That person has put a serious amount of time into this game. Several thousand hours to win 4,500 crowns to unlock both halves of that costume. Nothing to sniff at, but like I said, I would be very surprised if anybody has even done that yet. I'm sure it's been designed to uh, be a a significant effort to get that. Can you pay to unlock it all at no. the get-go? No, no? not that okay. I've seen. Uh, there is the kudos and the crowns, which you can get by playing. And then there's yep. a premium currency, which you can get by buying. And there are some yep. costumes you can get by spending kudos. Uh, they're usually the uh, less impressive things, like titles you can buy for your uh, name name card in the, in the match, or patterns you can decorate your bean with... But if you want the actual costumes, then you have to spend the premium currency for them. Or you can uh, go for the season pass, because this game does have all new free-to-play features. There's a season pass, and you can work your way through it by unlocking these pink point shards. Uh, If it has a name, I didn't see what it was, but it works just like a season pass in any other free-to-play game. It has a premium track and a free track. And as you play, you'll work through the past and level up every every few matches as you get these pink shard things. And if you get to a tier on the past that's a free unlock, you'll get it no matter what. But if you want all the other rewards that appear on every other tier, you have to pick, give 10 bucks to the developer to get the premium pass. 
And there's daily and there's weekly and there's seasonal quests that you can do. And, and if you finish them, then you'll get extra points towards your season pass progress and you'll unlock some extra kudos, which is nice. And even on the uh, the seasonal quest, some of those actually do give crown shards. So even oh, okay. if, you're, if you're not winning, you are getting some crowns. Like I, I think altogether it's only going to be four or five if you finish all of the seasonal quests, which are designed to take you the better part of three months to finish because that, that looks like about how long the seasons are three to four months so that's a lot of work to get that done but it's doable <laughs> if you're committed uh, and another one this is new i haven't seen this in any other free-to-play game but there's a another tier it's called stadium stars it, it's basically a season pass but it's completely free to get into it and it resets like every 10 to 14 days uh, i couldn't really tell because it was already counting down when i logged in on the first day and it was a weird number it was like nine days or something but so i guess it's every 10 days but that that's a weird number however often it resets uh you don't have to buy into this at all and it's just a a short line of 10 rewards you can unlock that include kudos and costume pieces and things and you just do some quests that are listed beneath the stadium stars. And when you finish them, then you start working through the tier. I, I did the entire thing in a day and a half of just casual play. It took me a couple hours in total. So I think that's kind of nice. Like, I, I think I will at least keep playing the game just to finish the stadium stars every time they reset. Gives me some things to unlock. Gives me a goal to work towards. But I'm not, like happened with Fortnite, you know, putting my entire all my free time into it to finish the yeah. battle pass i like that i think that's a cool addition the um stadium stars thing sounds really similar to the rift in dead by daylight where it's separate mm. from this the battle yeah. pass and you have 13 days and it resets and you can like gain uh currency to I mean, blood points and things to up to your characters yeah that's the nice thing about the uh not to get too off topic, but the nice thing about the yes, Rift sorry. is uh, uh, in the, or maybe not the Rift, maybe it's the Grimoire, but you can go back in time on those mm. and, and keep working through those goals uh, once they've passed to get the unlocks from it. But the Stadium Stars, once the time is up, they're gone forever. So uh, okay. You, yeah, you do have to stay on top of things. Uh, as a port, uh, the game, I haven't had too many complaints about how the game runs, there were some obvious network problems in the first couple days or in the yeah, first 24 that. hours. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it wasn't giving rewards when matches ended. It would it would time out and it would say, we cannot load the rewards screen right now. Your rewards will be given to you in a few minutes. Please play again. After a few hours, they got that ironed out and I was getting the rewards screen after matches, which was nice. And uh, I also was having a problem in the duos mode where I couldn't leave the match after I lost, because it, it would tell me your partner is still playing. It's like, no, he's not playing. We've lost. Let me leave. <laughs> that got fixed after a while, too. But those are just network problems. That has nothing to do with Switch. Uh, the frame rate, I never had a problem with it. As far as you know, running through the levels, I never really had a performance problem. The other beans running through the levels, they are visibly running at a lower frame rate. Some of them even just kind of slide through the level while T-posing, which is kind of funny. <laughs> so so there's definitely some technical concessions going on there to get the game running on Switch. But as far as playing it and unlocking things and, you know, enjoying it visually, 
I don't have too many complaints about it. I think if you want to see all of your competitors running at full frame, you're going to want to play it on another platform. But I think this is a perfectly acceptable place to play it, especially for considering it's it's a free game now. Uh, I I knew what Fall Guys was, but even I'm surprised how much I enjoyed playing it. I kind of sat down and figured, I'll play one game so I can talk about it, and then I'll, I'll move on to the other game that I'm working on this week. And I ended up playing it all morning instead because <laughs> I played the one match. I was like, hey, that was kind of fun. I'd like to go again. <laughs> we, sh- we should try and organize a big thing where all the game popular people play it at the same time and see who wins. Yeah. Like, can we? I-, I know we can join as a squad of up to four of us at once, but like, can we- all of us join the but same match? Oh, yeah, there yeah. are private lobbies. That's right. Yeah. And wow. it's cross-platform, so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if we are on, on the Switch and then so on, PlayStation, Xbox. I will lose. <laughs> <laughs> if it's if there's ever the one where the, um, you know, where the, it slowly rises, the, like slime. Yeah. Whenever mm-hmm. that one oh, came yeah. up, I was just like, oh, no, I'm gone. <laughs> Do I they still have... at that one until someone yeah. grabbed me. Oh, I hate when yeah, you do that. Yeah, you can, you so can grab other beans, and I haven't found a reason for that to exist except to just be mean. I was like, why? Yeah. Why is this a thing you can do? <laughs> do they still have the one where you have to get all the eggs in your mm-hmm. team's basket? Yeah, I hate that one. Because you yeah, could be doing so well, and then another team will just uh, go take out everything from yours, and you're like, great. <laughs> the team games were definitely a low point for me. Yeah. <laughs> The football one as well, the giant footballs. Oh, yeah. No. yeah, I definitely feel the racing and the survival levels are the highlight, and the other stuff is just like, it's just like mini-game stuff that I don't really want to do, and when they come up, I'm just yeah. like, oh, here we go. It's always the <laughs> yellow team that loses, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, every time you get on yellow, it's like, well, that's it. Yeah. But did, when did the original one come out? Was it just before the pandemic or just at the start? Just at the start. Because uh, there was, it, that was like, it was such a fun, like all the memes and stuff about it, it was kind of really fun because it was that and Animal Crossing were just some of the best distractions. Good times. <laughs> it's one of those games, like, um, oh, what do you call it? Pokemon Go as well. Like, there were some games that just like felt the closest to world peace that we'll ever get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Fall Guys was one of them. Among Us as well. The initial hype of that was really good. Oh, I hate that game. Social deduction <laughs> games are just... I get thrown under the bus every time and it just sucks. So I don't that, like it. That, that would be fun to get all the game popular people because I would oh, be interested no. to know who's the best at lying and deceiving it should happen. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> All right, so what are we going to be playing in the coming week? Sylvia, let's start with you. Um, more Three Hopes. Uh, let's hope <laughs> I can at least beat one path before next episode. <laughs> what house did you pick? Is it Black Eagles? Oh, I yeah. I remember the name of it. It's Edelgard's. Edel. Yeah, that's right. Edel Edel. <laughs> and Rosalie? Uh, I'm still playing Somnium Files. I think you'll still be of... playing that for a long time. Yeah, I think I'm most of the way 
through. Um, I've unlocked the secret ending, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, I've just gone down this rabbit hole and I'm kind of obsessed with it. The sequel just came out everywhere apart from the UK. We don't get it until the 9th of July. Um, so I might then be obsessed and talk about the sequel. But yeah, I'm just, I'm 100%ing it because it's it's actually one of my favourite games of all time now. I don't know how, but it, it's just really good. <laughs> Everyone go by. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> And for me, the Delicious Last Course DLC for Cuphead is finally out on the 30th. Ah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to get it because they're also talking about putting out a physical version of Cuphead that will include the DLC. I might wait for that. Uh, it depends upon how fast they are with the news on that release. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening to this episode of End Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Also, make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. You can find the links for all of these in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by our host, Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Our co-host, Rosalie, at Little Record Girl on Twitter. That's L-I-L Record Girl. And myself at Stewto, S-T-W-T-W-O. Or on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Sylvie Tory. Thank you.